<laughs> we love young people, and uh, we are really proud of them. And uh, we are taking the month of August, getting ready for school to launch, to just kind of fill you in with all the news and all the happenings. And so if you have young people, please get them involved. We would love to serve you in that way. Hey, the car show was awesome yesterday. I hope you made it. A perfect day for it. Lots of really great cars. You have some nice cars. And uh, that was really a, a lot of fun. Just one thing, I talked about it last week, one day to feed the world. If you were here when we started, you heard how from Convoy of Hope, we partner with them. They are everywhere in the world where there's a crisis. I mean, I'm not, I kid you not, they go everywhere. And we're a major partner with them as a large church who can make a difference financially. And so we give a, a one-day offering. That means figure out how much you make in one day and give it on the weekend of August 23 and 4. And we will send it all to make a difference for the glory of God. We don't keep any of it. And we use it some locally and some globally. And so figure it out. If if you don't feel prompted to do that, pray about how you can help in that offering. Just to make a difference at whatever level God wants you to do so. But it is really worth doing. I believe in it. Well, I have the privilege over the next few weeks to kind of launch a three-week series before we go into the book of Ephesians. And I was thinking about what, what is it that I'd like to say in this kind of summer, as summer starts to wrap up and we're moving into the school year, I think it's a good time for us to, to do a little inward focus about who we are as a person, who we are as a church, and what is our legacy. And so I, I've called this series Legacy. And I want to take characters in the Bible and just walk you through some of the issues that we have uh, in their lives. Because not everyone finished well. Now, you and I have the opportunity to see 2020 vision as we look back into people's lives recorded in this book and our own life. Matter of fact, I had a real, a real scare this week with the whole idea of 2020 vision. I, I lost these glasses. Now you know that they are found, right? Well, I was a whole week without them. And it was, it's, don't ever lose your glasses because then you have no way to find them because you can't see to find them. And literally, I'm all week kind of wandering around going, oh, i got to get another pair. It's the only pair I have. I've had them for five years. And, and, and I left them on the podium after our annual, or not our annual, but our business meeting last Sunday night. And someone in traditions this morning actually found them on that podium. So I now understand, oh, there you are. You know, it's like, it's like, now I understand. I don't want to live life in a blur. Legacy's like that. Legacy allows me to say, if I have a clear picture of where I want to go, then maybe I can leave a path behind me that's worth following. Are you leaving that path behind you? I believe you are. As a church, are we leaving a path behind us that leaves a legacy for people to follow? You know, only about, this is really sad, I hate to tell you this. If you take the top 100, even 500 characters in the Bible that most people know, less than 30% of them finished well. I don't like that stat. And, and I started thinking, does that mean I even have a chance? I mean, if they didn't do it. Well, part of it's just that the Bible's really raw. It tells it like it is. It doesn't hide anything or sugarcoat anything. I kind of like that because life is tough. And you're going to have to be willful if you want a legacy that's going to make a difference in this world we live in. Number one in your outline, I've got a lot of blanks, so let's get started. Fill in this thing in your uh, program today. Legacy defined. Legacy defined. 
Now, the dictionary version of legacy, in most dictionaries it will have at least one definition that says something about money. That it is the money that you leave behind for family and friends. Now that's one way to leave legacy. But we use the term legacy often in our culture to mean more than money. And it's talking about character. It's talking about integrity. It's talking about a pathway that you have blazed for someone else to follow. And that's what I want to deal with these next three weekends. What kind of a path are you blazing? What kind of a legacy are you leaving behind? What is it? I have a great legacy. My grandparents uh, were followers of Jesus. They came to faith early. My grandpa and grandma have a farm, had a farm. They're both home with the Lord now. But they had a farm in Kansas, just outside of Sedan, Kansas. A little spot in the road called Howard. And you could get on that and go to their farm. I have a picture of my grandparents right there. That is Irvin and Thelma Osborne. They were poor. They were hard workers. My grandma would... I mean, she canned her own meat. They raised chickens. Um, they tried everything just to make a living. And we would go there in the summertime, and us kids and some cousins, and we would help my grandpa buck hay, and, and we would be there for two or three weeks, and it was hot and humid. But as a kid, I thought I was in heaven. I never knew they were poor. Because my grandpa and my grandma taught us the right things about living. It wasn't about money. It was about the memories and the care and the love. And we would go to church on Sunday no matter what else was happening. That meant we all had to take baths on Saturday night. How many of you, how many of you grew up taking a Saturday night bath at least one time a week on Saturday night? That's when it was. I can't imagine. And this is really gross, but we actually had to like do take turns because like it was three kids who would use the same water before my grandma Anybody else relate to that? Oh, we are family. I like it. I'm, I'm not kidding. And, and, and you always prayed to God you could go first. You know, but once it's just gross and milky and soapy, it doesn't matter. You just get in and get out. But, but my grandma taught a Sunday school class every Sunday morning. And I can still see her for decades. Faithful. They would be there no matter what. These are the kinds of people that build legacy. I, I have another picture of my uncle, but uh, one of my uncles, uh, who always had a big pipe that he smoked, and it was always fun to be around Uncle Doc and Aunt Bell and and my grandparents. This house right here behind me, that if you took off the two-story part of that house, see on the right, um, when my mom was growing up, that was not on the house. It was just a two-bedroom house with a living room and a kitchen. Seven kids. And the parents grew up in that house. And outside water, outside toilets. And my mom loves God. She's like a saint. She, all seven of those kids are walking with God. That's legacy. That's, that's leaving something behind. And I'm so thankful, my dad's side as well. I'm so thankful that I've been giving this rich, rich inheritance. I'm grateful. Number two, how much of my life is circumstantial? Ask this question. Are you just lucky in life? Or are you just unlucky in life? You ever hear people talk like this? Well, they're just lucky. Well, they hit it big. Or they won the lottery. Or they this, they that. Well, maybe you can get lucky in life. Maybe you can get unlucky. But I believe not a lot in life is just circumstantial. Now, I'm going to introduce you to a guy by the name of Gideon. Say it with me. 
Gideon. How many of you know his story? Okay, most of you do. But I want you to really listen carefully and I want you to open your mind to, I bet the part of the story you know is the heroic part of Gideon. Did he finish well? Raise your hand if you think he did. Did he not finish well? Raise your hand. (laughs) This is a very non-committal group we have here today. We may not know, but but, um, I'm going to tell you before this is over. Judges chapter 6, if you want to study Gideon, Judges 6, 7, and 8, and we're just going to look at a little bit. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. The Midianites were their enemy. Okay, They were oppressive. The angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Okay, here's a guy who's hiding out, he's scared, and the angel of the Lord says, You mighty soldier, you mighty warrior, you hero, the Lord's with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us out, up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us, handed us over to the Midianites. See, this is the reality of Gideon's life. It's important for you to see this. This is how he was living in oppression. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. (laughs) But, Lord, Gideon replied, How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. So he immediately goes into the mode of saying, not me, you got the wrong guy. The Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. See, this is really important about the circumstances in your life. Sometimes we don't find God in our circumstances. God finds us. And there's a difference. Are you a messenger that is willing to live your life in a way that says, God, spin me where you best see fit. I'm available. Gideon wasn't even offering himself. And yet God found him and said, I've got a mission for your life. I have a plan for you. Gideon was not looking for being someone special. He was not looking to be a hero. He didn't want it. He didn't believe in himself. As a matter of fact, Gideon was afraid. He was alone. He was questioning why God would let his nation suffer. Ever been there? Some of you are there right now. And circumstances are often God's ways, God's way of nudging us toward the plan of God. I'm a firm believer that not all circumstances are created by God. You can never change the tires on your car and eventually have a blowout. That isn't God's fault. And Don't say God gave me a blowout. Right? But I know this. God never wastes a circumstance in our life. Diseases come. People die. In this world you will have trouble. That's what the Bible says. God doesn't create all that trouble. But we have trouble. But God is there amidst that trouble and that pain. And He's with us. And He was with Gideon. And we need to know that. Number three, can we become intentional early on in our lives? Can we become people who will be more intentional about building legacy rather than just saying, oh, it'll just happen. It is what it is. 
It's going to be, I'm going to just, whatever, whatever path I leave, I'm going to leave. I can't help it, I can't control it. Yes, you can. And I believe you can be very intentional about some of the things that you decide today about leaving legacy in your future and in your life. Now, this is the story most of us know about Gideon, okay, in Judges 6. Then Gideon said to God, If you are truly going to use me and rescue Israel as you promised, prove it to me in this way. It's usually not a good idea to ask God to prove to you anything. I will put a wool fleece on the threshing floor tonight. If the fleece is wet with the dew in the morning, but the ground is is like dry, then I will know that you're going to help me rescue Israel as you have promised. (laughs) And that is just what happened. When Gideon got up early the next morning, he squeezed the fleece and wrung out a whole bowlful of water. Then Gideon said, praise God, I'm a believer now. No, he didn't. He said, he said, isn't this funny? He said, please don't be angry with me, but can we do it again? <laughs> let me make one more request. Let's flip it around. Use the fleece one more test. This time let the fleece remain dry while the ground around it is wet with dew. So that night God did as Gideon asked. The fleece was dry in the morning, but the ground was covered with dew. I mean, can you imagine being Gideon? The first morning you wake up and go, oh, what a fluke. I can't believe that happened. Okay, God, let's reverse it. Let's see if you really know your stuff. And you go out the next morning and it's there and you're going like, oh, no. What do I do now? I've got to do this thing. Wow. Fleeces are not usually a good idea. But I will just say this and we'll move on. What does God need to do in order to get you ready to obey him? What would you put on God today to say, you do this, you take care of that? Because we make deals with God all the time. We just don't realize that we do it by our behaviors, our actions, and our attitudes. And God usually doesn't deal and wheel. But He loves His kids. And He loves spending you for legacy purpose. And He saw something in Gideon that was worth the time and energy to go all the way with Him. And God sees that in you. Number four, is opportunity created or is it seized? I think we would all agree that we all have, we all kind of have opportunity in our world today. You know, you you hear about someone who invents something really cool and you go, oh man, I wish I'd have thought of that. It's just hard to believe. No one did until now. Yesterday, I saw a guy driving an insulation truck. And you know the kind of, the nasty fiberglass insulation that you lay in your attic. How many of you have done that job before? Okay, I have. I'm telling you something. It's difficult. Especially in the hot summer in an attic and it gets and you breathe it in. It's terrible for you. It's glass. And you feel itchy and cut up and it'll, it'll grab you. And I thought, there's somebody right there who took a job that's hard to do. Because if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Sometimes the call of God on our lives isn't easy. Sometimes it's a challenge. It requires faith. Look at this story. I'm not going to read it all, but I'm going to tell you the story from chapter 7. Basically, Israel had 32,000 soldiers. Okay, so, so Gideon says, okay, God's given me this revelation, and we're going to go take down the Midianites, bring the army. So the army comes, 32,000. God says to Gideon, that's too many people. <laughs> really? Their army is like ten times that big. And so 
so he says, yeah, it's too, too many people. So Gideon says, what do you want me to do? God says, why don't you just say to the soldiers, if you're afraid at all, go home. So can't you just see Gideon standing up to the army and say, I know you're men of courage and strong, but if you have any fear, go ahead and go home. 22,000 of them leave. <laughs> Gideon's going, okay, just a little bit afraid is okay. That's normal. Come back. I mean, think about what's going on in his heart. God says it's still too many. He's got 10,000 people there. Warriors. God says, take them down to the brook, the stream, and ask them to take a drink of water and watch them and put them into two groups. The group that reaches down with their hand and cups the water and drinks it with their hand versus the people who lay down on a rock and drink it right into their mouth. Divide them up. Guess what? 300 men cupped it with their hand. And God said, those are the 300 that we're going to use. Wow. It's powerful to me that when you have God, you have everything you need. Now they're going to go into the armory. You know what an armory is, where all the weapons are? They're going to load up. I'm sure they're excited because there's 32,000 soldiers and only 300 of them get to pick the best weapons in the armory. So they go in and God says, I have the weapons for you. Gideon's like, what? Well, a pitcher of clay, like a pot. It's like, really? Okay. Um, And then I want you to take a torch that'll light on fire. Okay. (laughs) That's some weapon. And what was the third one? Anybody remember? Trumpets. Ram's horns. (laughs) So he says to the 300... These are your weapons. Let's go have some fun. So they they go out at night. It's the middle of the night. And they surround the Midianites' camp. And God says, when I say it, I want you to shout a shout. And I want you to break those pitchers and light those torches and blow those ram's horns. And so Gideon gave the word. And they shouted and they broke the pitchers. They lit the torches. And it so alarmed the Midianites that the soldiers stood up. They thought they were being attacked from every side. It's black at night. And they start fighting each other. And literally there's a bloodbath where thousands of them are killed. They fight themselves. The people who are left run off down into the valley and they're able to to be captured. It was a great victory that God did with 300 men because of a leader named Gideon. Gideon was a hero. Gideon was someone that they asked, would you be our king? Would you take over? Would you do this job? And Gideon says, no, I won't do that. I don't want to be your hero. But he was their hero. He could not escape it. A lot of amazing things happens. Number five in your outline, and I want to wrap this whole thing up around this idea of things that we need to consider. And I want to look at the legacy of Gideon. Things to consider. Number one, building legacy is more than being positive. You know, if you're ever around someone who's really positive, sometimes I've been around people who think, well, if I'm just happy and if I just like everybody, they'll like me. That'll be a great legacy because everyone likes me. That's not true. I'm a positive person and I love being around positive people, but I'm telling you something. Just being happy and being positive is not going to build legacy. Legacy is going to build by you making decisions on a daily basis that sometimes go against the tide of what is comfortable and easy. And it means you stand up for truth. It means you fight for what is righteous. It means that you don't cave in 
when the world lets you compromise. That's legacy. And that's the kind of stuff that God wants us to do. It involves proper decision making about the future. And that's not always easy to do. Number two, building legacy comes down to daily decisions. Daily decisions. I, when I think about this, I'll give you one little tip here that I'm doing in my life right now. I just started it this week. Um, because of this message. When you put your head on your pillow at night, just put a little, little card up on your dresser somewhere where you can see it to remind you. Ask this question. Did I end well today? Did I finish well today? Am I at peace with people who I love? Are there attitudes that I need to adjust in my life for my experience today? You know why? Because it's about the daily decisions that cause a monthly reaction, that cause a year worth of being noticed, that cause a decade worth of faithfulness and consistency that leads to legacy. You don't just wake up one day and say, oh, I'm going to have a great legacy. No. You do it day by day. Now look at this. This is really sad. A lot of people don't know this about Gideon. I hate to tell you this. It just it makes me sick. They tried to, to make Gideon or his family. They said, we want you to rule over us because he's a hero. God used him. But here's his mistake. Judges 8, verse 24. He said, no, I'm not going to lead you. However, I do have one request. That each of you give me an earring from the plunder you collected from your fallen enemies. The enemies being the Ishmaelites who wore gold earrings. The Ishmaelites, part of Midian, were adorned with gold. It was it's how they're known. Bracelets and long necklaces and earrings, full garments of, of gold. And Gideon basically saw that and he tasted that material something and it bit him. And, and he wanted that. Gladly, they replied, they spread out a cloak and each one threw a gold earring that he had gathered from the plunder. The weight of the gold earrings was like 43 pounds. You know, currently that would be over a million dollars in our market today. Not including the royal ornaments and pendants and purple clothing worn by the kings and of Midian and the chains around their, the necks of their camels. You ought to see pictures of the way they did their camels. Crazy. Gideon made a, seek, a sacred ephod. I'm going to tell you what that is in a minute, but here's a huge mistake. From the gold and put it in Ophrah, his hometown. But soon all the Israelites prostituted themselves by worshiping it. And it became a trap for Gideon and his family. Oh no! Wait a minute. God gave this victory. He destroyed the enemy. And all he wanted was just some gold earrings, but he melted it down and he made an ephod, which is a, a breastplate that the priests would wear. And they're, they're highly adorned and expensive. And he made this ephod that would probably fit him perfectly. And he wasn't a priest, and yet he was maybe trying to take this place of a priest. Suddenly that, that same Gideon who said, no, not me, I can't do it, is building himself an ephod that's worn by a priest saying, maybe I'm the man, I'm special, I'm an exception to the rules. No, he wasn't. And it destroyed what God had done in Gideon and how God had used him. And it's a horrible way to end. And though I don't, I'm not going to read all of it, I'm just going to tell you, he ended terribly in his life. Gideon was not faithful to his one wife. He took on many, many more wives. He even had a concubine. He, he, he worshipped these idols. And, 
And I started thinking about how do you go from being in a wine press with an angel of the Lord coming to you and saying, you mighty warrior, to suddenly worshiping an idol instead of the one true God who got you out of this. It's the same way that we do it, you guys. It's one decision. It's one decision today. I don't know of anybody who ever stood up in front of me and said, I want to be a heroin addict. I can't wait. Let's get started. But it's one decision. And suddenly people make decisions that lead to another decision, that leads to a need, that leads to a daily addiction or a weekly addiction, and suddenly they are trapped. They are ensnared. They don't know what to do, and their legacy gets cut out from under them. Albert Einstein said, weakness of attitude becomes weakness of character. And I think attitude has everything to do, my attitude about God, who He is in my life, my gratitude toward God. There's one lady I so respect in life. Her name is Helen Keller. Ever heard of her? Amazing lady. She suffered, but she said this about character. Character cannot be developed in ease and quiet. Only through experience of trial and suffering can the soul be strengthened, ambition inspired, and success achieved. Man, I read that and I read it again and I read it again. I started thinking, God, show me how to put that in my heart. Gideon ended up with a big mess in his life. Will I finish well? Number three, building legacy includes failure and hardship. There's no way around it. You're going to make some mistakes. I want to talk to some of you who have made big mistakes in your life and you're sitting here going, my legacy's already shot. I don't have a chance. I've messed up. Maybe you've been unfaithful and moral. Maybe you have an addiction. Maybe there's all kinds of financial ruin in your background, your history, your credit score is sunk. Maybe there's stuff in your life, in your past that you, you just... You hate about yourself. Let me tell you something. God is bigger than your failure. And don't you forget that today. I want to show you something in a minute. But I want you to see in Judges 8, in verse 33, it says, As soon as Gideon died, the Israelites prostituted themselves by worshiping the image of Baal. And this is like the worst thing that could happen. Making Baal beareth their God. They forgot the Lord their God who had rescued them from all of their enemies surrounding them. They forgot him. Nor did they show any loyalty, this is odd, to the family of Jerubel, which is Gideon's family, despite all the good that he had done for Israel. Here's, here's one of the secrets to this. You know when this happened? This happened 40 years after the battle. And there was a time of peace and rest for Israel. And people went to sleep. People got comfortable. They decided life was good and they didn't need to trust God anymore. And they were content. And they slipped off into this place of needing an idol to worship and a piece of gold to look at to call their God. How do I slip in my mindset? When do I get lazy in my walk with God? I better pay attention. Here's the good news. Number four and lastly, our legacy is determined by us, but it's recognized by others. In other words, your actions and your decisions determine your legacy. That's a truth. But others are, will be the people who recognize what your legacy is, not just you. You can't just, you can't just get up at your funeral and say, this is my legacy. <laughs> right? 
I've often wondered if Lazarus, who was raised from the dead, ever went back and put flowers on his grave or anything. God remembered the good in Gideon. In the great hall of fame, Hebrews 11, it's called the faith chapter of the Bible where the greats are listed. Guess whose name is there? Even though he didn't end well, the grace of God was sufficient. In Hebrews 11, verse 32, how much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon and Barak, Samson. He's another one that didn't finish well. Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. That's all I'll read from that now. You guys, I I just want to close by saying there's this game that I've played as a kid where you blind, you get a partner. I thought about doing this live, but I thought this is a pretty big drop off. You, You blindfold somebody and then you tell them the commands. You say, walk two steps forward, turn a little to the left. Nope, that's too far. Come back. Step over the log. And you give them, it's better if it's in a forest because there's lots of stuff they can run into. Now, don't ever, don't ever let your children play this game with each other because they will run each other into a tree on purpose. Okay, it's not good. I, I know this from experience. But at the end, I promise you, when you're blindfolded, you are careful with every step. Sometimes this life puts a blindfold on us and we can't see everything, but we have the still, small voice of God. We do. You have that. I listen better when I'm blindfolded. You must trust the person who is giving you the instructions. As a matter of fact, when you arrive to your destination, you know you are not there by yourself. It took the team to get you there. As you look back over your life, I want you to be able to say, God brought me to this place. And I'm going to trust Him. Let's pray together. Lord, thank You for the opportunity we have today to talk about legacy. And I ask You to put it deep in our hearts, the things that You're saying to us individually. Give hope to that one who feels discouraged because they've blown it. And give an amazing willingness to surrender in our hearts to say the future looks bright because God is going to lead us. With heads bowed, firstly, if you're making bad decisions in your life right now and you know it, you just need to own it. The worst thing you can do is to try to hide it and make excuses for it. Justify it. Well, you don't understand. I had no choice. I had to do this, but I this, I that. Just stop that. And just say, I'm making some bad decisions. And God, help me. I don't want to make them anymore. I need to clean it up. If you know that's true of you, I I want to pray over you. I want to pray that the mighty Holy Spirit of God will empower you today. If you're making decisions that are not going to lead you to a great place in legacy, would you hold your hand up and let me pray over you? Just hold it up boldly. We've, We've all been there, you guys. Don't be embarrassed. Lord, thank you. I thank you for my brothers and my sisters in this room who would say, God, I need help. These decisions are not what I want them to be. It's not how I want to live. And I'm asking you, God, to be strong in them today. Heal their heart and their brokenness. Thank you. Let them feel your spirit empowerment right now. How many of you are walking in the dark right now and you're dependent on the voice of God and you're scared and you're worried and it's, it's creating some worry for you? It's just that place where you're saying, God, please speak to me. Hold up your hand, would you? I just want to pray over you. Lord, it's tough sometimes. That's what walking by faith is. So right now I pray for blessing and encouragement and strength in this family. God, for that final one who would say, my legacy's shot, there is no hope. 
Let them see that you put Gideon's name in this book that lasts forever, even in his failure. You saw his heart. You believed in him, and you believe in us. And we are your plan for the future. And show us how to rebuild legacy. Show us it's not too late, ever, ever, ever too late. Touch those who don't know you today, separated by sin. If you don't know the Lord today, just say this with me. Lord, forgive me of my sin. Cleanse my heart, my mind, my body. I believe in you and I confess to you that you are my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. I believe that. He's watching you every step. Amen. Give him praise. Thank you, Lord. If you have a need of any kind, come on up right now. Join us. Let us pray with you, no matter what it is, before you go out of here. We'd love to do that. Otherwise, thanks for being not just at Timberline. I kind of stop trying to stop saying that. I'm trying to start saying thanks for being Timberline in the community and in the world. The people of God love you tons. Say it with me. The service starts now. Go in the grace of Jesus. God bless you. Thanks for being here.